Production support comes from Smithville, a locally owned business serving central and southern Indiana since 1922 with residential and business internet, phone, and security services. Smithville, local pride, global technology. Information at smithville.net. Welcome to Noon Edition. I'm John Bailey, filling in for Bob Zaltzberg, and joined, as always, by Mary Catherine Carmichael. Hi, John. Good afternoon. It's our first time to team up. I'm glad you're here. First time tag teaming. Glad to be with you. We are talking today with Derek Ritchie and Jennifer Summer Ritchie, who are the creators of a project called Bloomington Fading that documents how the city has changed over the last several decades. It started with a Facebook page that juxtaposed pictures of Bloomington old and new, in some cases carved out buildings and stuck them into uh, modern-day contexts. And it has turned into a very interesting book about their findings called Bloomington Then and Now. To look at the book, you get the feeling that it's a real labor of love. How did the project come about? You want to start that, honey? Yeah. Hmm. um, We'd originally started just taking pictures of abandoned houses that were around Bloomington. So I think Derek and I always had a fascination with old homes just in general. And I was on the computer, and one of, my, one of the things I like is photography. So I'd come upon a photo that had Paris, like modern Paris, with a picture being held by somebody's hand of Paris in like the 1800s. Mm-hmm. And I called Derek in, which normally I don't call him in for the stuff that I'm looking at or I'm reading. So I did this time. Had him look at it, and literally the next morning, he was like, I've got this idea. We're going to do that with Bloomington, but we're actually going to transpose instead of hold the picture. So yeah. It's very effective, and it's a shame that our listeners don't have the book in front of them, as we are lucky enough to have. Um, but it is fascinating the way you've done it. You can see the current building in place and then the former building uh, transparently imposed upon the, the current one. So just so for everybody out there can really visualize what's going on here. Yeah, I think what that did, I mean, one of the first photos we put up, I had a friend named Josh Bennett. Um, he's been, he was in my band for many, many years. And uh, he, he told me, you know, Derek, I've seen so many pictures of old buildings before. But this was different when I went to your Facebook page and looked at it because I just never knew where this old building was. And to find out, it's, and we're talking about the old central school, mm-hmm. not the not the high school, the old central school. It was the first large school in, in Bloomington, sat right on top of where the Marriott is uh, off of South uh, uh, College. He said, that just changed my whole perspective of College Avenue and, and what yeah. was there and how it changed so drastically. And uh, he said it provided me context. And I was like, Wow. Then this hope maybe I, this would work for other people. So we just kept doing it. And well, you know, Bloomington is a transient <clears throat> community because of its uh, the university being mm-hmm. here. So a lot of people have maybe four years here, or maybe they have you know four years and then a job for a while after mm-hmm. school or whatever. But we do seem to have a, a lot of turnover. And so you and I were talking before the show. You've been here twenty two years. Mm-hmm. I've been here twenty years. John's only been here two years. Thirteen or fourteen. Thir- yeah, yeah, thirteen. So. Really, this is a, a, a really nice book as far as really grounding people in this community. And also, I think it um, is a nice remembrance for those of us who have been here a little bit longer. We say, oh, yeah, I remember you know, when that mm. changed. And, and yeah. oh, yes, this used to be used for that. And, and uh, so it's really it's a lot of fun just from a, a, you know, a trip down memory lane. But I think it's also important. Um, it, it brings to mind a, a, the bigger picture, which is, you know, what if we still had some of those buildings? Mm. And, and many of them were lost to fires and things that, um, of course, were beyond human control. But it does, I, I think the historians in the community are going to love this, uh, especially because it's like, well, this is why we fight over this one house. Right. I think what... Uh you know, there, there's there's always this feeling that people have that, you know, all these houses are coming down now. Like, it's been really recent that these houses have all come down. And the truth of the matter is, that's not the case. Um, 
you know, when we started researching all these houses that are now gone in Bloomington, especially if you look at, say, Kirkwood, Mm -hmm. there are so many old Victorian homes that were along Kirkwood and lined Kirkwood. In fact, Kirkwood was a residential street. Um, Those those didn't come down recently. Um, Most of the houses, especially along Walnut College and Kirkwood, came down between 1949 and 1975. We lost between post-war years exactly yeah. nineteen. Uh, in, between those years, we lost uh, probably about forty to sixty percent of the houses that we're talking about here. Now, you can say why? Why did that happen? Well, you know, after the the Great Depression, and of course after the Showers Brothers closed, um, you know, there wasn't all these grand rich families that used to live here anymore. Uh, and their descendants didn't really know what to do with all these big, huge Victorian homes. Many of them rented them out. Mm-hmm. Um, and, you know, they started get, becoming in really, really poor shape. And uh, uh, it was very difficult back in the 50s and 60s to fix an old house. Like, it was very expensive. Uh, so a lot of them just sold those houses to developers. And mm-hmm. the developers, uh, looking towards the future, decided, you know, we're going to tear down this house and we're going to use it the space for something else, whether it be a gas station, uh, parking space, or otherwise. So. We should say it's not just houses featured in this uh, in the in your book. It's also you know other public buildings, churches that have uh, used to be in you know various locations and other kind of public more public spaces. So and I right. like the way it's uh, organized too. If you it, it's organized by street, mm-hmm. so it's really easy to find the street that you're. You're interested in or the street that you're walking down at that moment and say, okay, here's what it used to look like. And for those of us who haven't been in town very long, who go down to second and college and see a Kroger and a Wendy's mm. with no clue of what that area used to be, why don't you talk a little bit about the history of Seminary Square? Well, Seminary Square um, always had an interest for me because I, when I would go to the park when I first moved here, I, I would see those stairs that kind of led to nowhere mm-hmm. as they head up to what college is now. College didn't used to uh, shoot uh, right through that area. It stopped. It came to a T at Second Street. And I always wonder, what, what, what was there? Why are they? And then, of course, they built the memorial. And so then everybody starts saying, okay, there was a high school here. Um, you know, I didn't. I really didn't understand it or know the history behind it. I didn't know that's where IU started, mm-hmm. um, and that uh, after many fires, they just said, "You know, this isn't the place for us. We're just gonna, <laughs> we're just gonna leave this place here and go find some new space, and we'll we'll turn this over to the city." Um, and that's what they did, of course. And uh, uh, the buildings, at least some of them, became what is uh, uh, what would become Bloomington High School. And eventually, unfortunately, the fire trend continued, and Bloomington High School eventually burned down as well. So, we're talking with Derek Ritchie and Jennifer Summer Ritchie, doing business as those who are spearheading the Bloomington Fading Project. You can join us in live chat. At WFIU.org slash Noon Edition. You can also follow us on Twitter at Noon Edition and join us with your phone call at 812-855-0811 or 877-285-WFIU, which is 877-285-9348. I noticed that uh, the uh, images tend toward, in this book, tend toward Uh, the town and not the gown so much. Uh, Where did the old pictures come from and and how did you come about the the decision to focus on the Bloomington community at large and not so much on uh, the history of IU? Well, I think there's a lot of information. You can find so much about IU and that's something, you know, he's, he's always loved history. So, you know, he's always kind of studied, you know, where he lives and things like that. So, um, one thing that we talked about is that, you know, I fell in love with the town when I came here. You know, he fell in love with the town. So let's have something that people can see that is a, more about the town than the university. Mm-hmm. We love the university. We both graduated from IU. Mm-hmm. So, um, but, but there are a lot of books on the university mm-hmm. as well already. Uh, if you go to the History Center, for instance, most of the books there, I'd say probably 40 to 50 percent of the photos are of the university. And uh, so we thought we'd, we'd focus on the town mm-hmm. um, and, uh, and and give people a chance to see what the town looked like. 
we thought that was important. Now, as far as where all the photos came from, I mean, everybody pitched in. Yeah. I mean, the, the History Center, Mathers uh, Museum, the Mathers Museum. IU Archives, and yeah. uh, Warren, it's Warren Roberts. The Warren Roberts oh, collection gosh. at IU Archives. Yeah. I mean, it, it, when I started this, you know, there were these, these folks who had experienced, had some bad experiences in the past um, trying to get approval to use a lot of these photos. We had no such problem at all. Everybody was super supportive. And I can't say enough about, um, you know, how much people were engaged in helping me. Uh, when we were looking for a, a photo of the uh, Morton Hunter Mansion, for instance, which used to sit on 11th and Walnut, uh, I mean, everybody was looking for me. I had folks at the Herald Times looking for photos for me uh, in, in the Indianapolis Star. But finally, of course, Alan Saber of, uh, of the Mathers Museum found it. But yeah, again, everybody's super supportive. Well, let's go. We have a caller on the line. Let's let's go to our caller, and then uh, we'll get ba- get back to some more of the background on how you got started with the project. Cindy, are you there? I sure am. Why don't you go right ahead? Well, hey, I grew up in Bloomington. I'm really enjoying this broadcast, but I have something to add about Seminary Square and, and the actual last fire that took place there. I went to what was Bloomington High School, and all 12 grades were in that. Uh, particular building, and then, of course, they built what is now South, and for a very short period of time, that was Central Junior High School, and before we finished our first year as at Central, that's when that last fire took place. It started in the auditorium, and we were all sort of shipped off now to South, so all 12 grades were together once again, so uh, it was... Uh, it was really something. I remember standing on the corner where Sahara Mart is now and where the drugstore used to be, where I first heard rock and roll when I was about 12 or 13 years old, uh, and uh, watching the school burn, and it was just so very sad and tragic. Wow, that's probably a memory you'll have forever. Oh, yes, yes, because, you know, I was like in 7th or 8th grade, and I, yeah, I was in 8th grade, and, you know, then we were... That junior high school was then once again with the high school kids down at South. So we were sort of this very transient, nomadic uh, senior class at some point. Mm-hmm. So, so, so I wanted to add that. It was really interesting. What do you rem- remember being where the Kroger Shopping Center is now? Oh, boy. You know, we used to walk up a hill uh, to a separate little building, and that's where we had bands. There wasn't room for the band class. And I even remember the instructor's name. So I know that that was there. And then beyond that, I don't know if there was a field. I don't know if sporting events took place there. I think it would almost have to have been that. Football field. Yeah. There you go. Okay. (laughs) I do kind of remember that. I'm getting older now, people. uh, You know, if I can remember all this, I mean, hey. But uh, Bloomington sure has changed. I'm just so glad that places like Settles and and different, uh, you know, homegrown businesses are still around, Williams up on the square and some of those places. But I remember walking from our house on Grant Street downtown to do my Christmas shopping at S.S. Kresge's and at the Woolworths and eating lunch at the Woolworths counter there and mm-hmm. how good their milkshakes were. It was just a really neat little town to grow up in. Well, so. Cindy, what, what do you think has changed most about Bloomington in the last six decades or so? Well, you know, um, I think that it is the growth of the university and the way that it has spanned and spawned out. But uh, we counties, or cutters as they used to call us back (laughs) in the day, uh, really uh, need to have an appreciation for that because IU has really protected our economy in some of the toughest times. And uh, I think, uh, you know, we're finally getting to the point where we're accommodating the increase in traffic patterns, although the construction is uh, uh, very, uh, very inconvenient sometimes. I also think that uh, Bloomington has grown to be sort of a smaller cosmopolitan town become a, because of some of the integration of culture. Uh, we don't have a lot of folks like myself that grew up here that stay here necessarily. Uh, I was gone for 27 years on the East Coast and came back just because I love it here. Uh, but but that's what I would think has changed the most. And with the university, then, you know, we've integrated a ton of different 
cultures and cultural ideas and sort of a more liberal mindset here in Bloomington. It used to be very conservative. You know, we're surrounded by limestone and farms, but we're this this little town with, you know, this very unique experience for people because we're Bloomington, and now we are have that unique experience more, I think, because of the university. Mm-hmm. I really believe that. Cindy, thanks for calling and sharing your memories with us today. Well, thank you for having me on the air. I appreciate it. Our pleasure. Thanks again. And if you want to call, thank you. If you want to call and share your memories of the Bloomington that was, then you can call 812-855-0811 or 877-285-WFIU. That's 9348. You can also join us in live chat at WFIU.org slash Noon Edition and follow us on Twitter at Noon Edition as well. We're joined by Derek Ritchie and Jennifer Summer Ritchie of Bloomington Fading. Now, you two are the uh, are the masterminds of this project, but how large is this project? And it encompasses Facebook and encompasses uh, an exhibit that has been uh, held at Monroe County History Center and now a book, Bloomington Then and Now. How many people have gotten enmeshed in your in your <laughs> web of memories? I think at this point um, we're we're almost upwards of three thousand people. Wow! And wow. I think when we when we started this, uh, we thought maybe a few hundred would care um, or be interested, and um, we were wrong. Um, you know, it, we were the Facebook page over the last three years or so has just kept jumping up higher and higher, and people keep sharing their memories. And uh, in fact, at one of our recent book signings, um, people who are regularly on our page. Don't have never met each other personally, but have become so close online. Kind of, they got to meet each other at one of our book signings, and when it was really awesome because they they were hugging, and it was like a class reunion, except the people who had never met one another before. Yeah, they signed each other's books. It yep. was like a family reunion. It was so, it was just amazing. And those are the moments that I love. Mm-hmm. And you know, we've had something similar um, when we opened at the History Center the exhibit. Is that you saw a granddaughter that was pushing her grandma, and then they would go to the pictures, and she'd be mm-hmm. like. I I remember when it was 25 cents to get into the Princess Theater and just being able to have the outlet to share memories and it, it just really beautiful. To, By to be writing able. about this community, you formed another community. Yeah. Mm-hmm. yeah. I, I, it's not something we expected, but we really have actually gained some really close friends because of this. Um, they started out as digital friends, but now they're real friends. Uh, you know, Michael Carter and Skip Chambers finally getting to meet some of these people along the way. Um, you know, it's just been great. In fact, we've met people here in, in your building as well. Uh, I know that you're working on a, on a series um, or a series is being worked on about uh, Bloomington way back when. Mm-hmm. And, um, you know, we've just been able to be included in, in so many great circles of, of historians uh, like Carol Krauss, who, mm-hmm. who helped edit this book. And, of course, she wrote the Showers Brothers uh, book that came out um, earlier this year. We have a couple of callers uh, on the line waiting to share their thoughts and their memories. Andy, are you there? Hello. Hello. What would you like to add to the conversation? Yeah, I um, I grew up in Bloomington, uh, starting back in the 50s. And a kid in my class, uh, Peter North, is the guy who started the fire, which burned down the old South uh, Central, which was Central Junior High School at the time. And somebody was asking what was there, uh, where the rallies is and the car washes was the football field area mm-hmm. and the baseball field was across uh first street there yeah. so you had to walk across first street to get to the baseball field because the streets didn't go through and the on the east as you walked toward the baseball field on the west side there were the things like the vocational education building steam building and stuff like that facilities like that in the gym mm-hmm. uh it was lyons drugstore back there, which was what is now Sahara Mart, along with the Phillips 66 station run by the Williamsons. Mm-hmm. So there, there's just lots of weird things. And I, I would think that one of the things that made Bloomington a lot different than uh, lots of other towns was, was has to do with the Cook family. Because if you look at the downtown of Bloomington compared to the downtown, let's say, of Martinsville or Bloomfield, there's a world of difference. Mm-hmm. Yep. And I think their willingness to uh, be engaged and involved certainly has made a vast difference to this place. You can always spot a cook building because it's well-kept, looks nice, 
and it's got an interesting paint job. <laughs> Can you comment, uh, Derek and Jennifer, on uh, the courthouse square before the Cook renovations? Actually, we were at a presentation not long ago that Jim Murphy from CFC gave about the downtown square. Um, and uh, let's just start, uh, for one, for the with the Graham Hotel and how bad a shape it was in before wow. before they fixed it. Uh, Jim mentioned it was full full of pigeon Droppings. feces. Yeah. All the windows were crashed in. Um, the photos of the inside are just unbelievable. How how much damage was was in, and it had been sitting that way for so long. And by the seventies, much of the square looked pretty bad. Mm-hmm. Um, and so, without their support, honestly, um, you know, the square wouldn't look the, the way it does today. So, Andy, you no doubt have memories of that, yes? Oh yeah, I I remember a lot of the stuff. I remember when there were colored only drinking fountains in the um, mm. in the bus com- terminal, which is at Tenth and. Uh, Walnut, mm. and uh, uh, life was very different back then. You know, the trees were on Kirkwood, um, things like that. Uh, it was a different world, and I used to be able to walk from one end to the other by myself as a kid. <laughs> and you don't do that anymore because it's a long walk. <laughs> <laughs> it sure is. And you know, there's just lots of little ways that that is. Um, they also had the Oriental the Oriental Market came in at uh, what used to be Turpin's Gro- uh, Turpin's Grocery at uh, 10th and Grant, and it was, um, it was the first place in Bloomington you could buy fresh fish. Oh, wow, yeah. Of, of that nature, and, you know, it was one of those, you know, one of the oddball things about growing up, about living in Bloomington. You had this, uh, I grew up with people, you know, when I went, to, all the schools I went to eventually got closed, oddly enough, like McCullough, but I went to school with kids from Zanzibar, um, Mongolia, um, all sorts of stuff, as well as I went to school with a kid who was the son of the Grand Dragon, the KKK. Mm-hmm. So mm-hmm. it was a very different world. <laughs> yeah. yeah, that's yeah. a great story, Andy. Yeah. Thank- a- Andy, what do you think has changed the most about Bloomington in the last forty, fifty years? Uh, gotten bigger. Uh, <laughs> other than that, um, I, I'm not sure. You know, just the, the sheer growth is one thing, and it hasn't died, which is, you know, has been has its benefit. At one point, the state legislature was going to put the Indiana University in Gosport because Gosport was on the was on a river, and um, I often wonder what it'd been like had, had that happened. Bloomington would be a whole lot different. Uh, I think one of the things that Bloomington has changed a lot it has a stable water supply, mm-hmm. which, which allowed for growth, which also allowed for a better sanitation sewer, which allowed for gro- more growth. Um, you know, for a while there. Ellisville didn't have a sanitation system, and it, it was held up from growing for decades by the state health department until, I can't remember how long, but once they got their sewage treatment plant in, boom, it just exploded over there. So I think the water supply probably has a lot to do with it, and the cooks. Mm-hmm. Uh, Bloomington used to be a lot more manufacturing, like the circus tires and RCA, mm-hmm. and wet around foods and things like that, and they're not here anymore. So... Mm-hmm. We survived all that. Yeah. Yep. So. Well, great comments, Andy. Thanks so much for calling in and sharing them with us uh-huh. today. Appreciate it. Uh-huh. We should say, back, getting back to the book a little bit, that you not only have the photographs um, of the old buildings and, and what's there currently, and, and some of them, in fact, superimposed over each other, but you also have memories um, uh, from individual folks who, you know, were around when the old buildings were in place. And we were just talking about the uh, Central School fire. And mm-hmm. so if you don't mind, I'll read what one of the memories from that from your book. Sure. Um, it gives a nice, it has a great photo of the school, which many of us um, who've even lived here a long time or think we've lived here a long time <laughs> have never seen. So that's really enlightening. And then someone shares the memory. Um, someone stated that the fire or someone started the fire so he could claim hero status for single-handedly putting it out. Of course, the fire got away from him. One story I heard was that it was the wax that they used on the floors that made it so easy to burn. Mm-hmm. So the book is full of these collections of memories. I bet that was a lot of fun uh, pulling those together. Oh, it was it was a lot of fun. And, and you know, this is part of having that community on the Facebook page. 
um, that, it, it, you know, it, it's so easy to reach out to people and get memories about just about everything. You know, the, the tricky thing about having a memory section in a book that's supposed to be historical, of course, is that people are going to say, well, that's, that could be folklore. And that's very true. It, it very much could be folklore. Um, it, it may not be the exact facts. But I think it's important to um, include people's memories, however faulty they are, as part of a book like this, because there are a lot of facts in here, too. But I, I also wanted to, to make sure the book was alive mm-hmm. with people. And I think that was important to, to include them. We're talking with Derek Ritchie and Jennifer Summer Ritchie, who are spearheading the Bloomington Fading Project, tracing how the city has changed over the last several decades and doing so in vivid uh, visual fashion, superimposing old uh, lost buildings on top of present day contexts. And the, those have been collected in a new book called Bloomington Then and Now. You can share your memories and talk with Derek and Jennifer at 812-855-0811 or 877-285-WFIU. You can also join a live chat at WFIU.org slash Noon Edition and tweet your comments at Noon Edition. Another half hour of conversation with Derek and Jennifer of Bloomington Fading to Come here on Noon Edition on WFIU. This is Noon Edition on WFIU. Production support comes from Smithville. Information at smithville.net. You can take WFIU with you by downloading podcasts directly to your PC, Mac, or MP3 player. Programs such as Noon Edition, Ask the Mayor, and Harmonia, and short features like Kinsey Confidential, the Ether Game Musical Mini Quiz, and Play and Opera Reviews are all available on demand. Pick them up at WFIU.org. And have you heard WFIU's news features? The WFIU News Team brings you expanded and in-depth reports on topics affecting South Central Indiana. Catch the Friday feature just after 8.30 during Morning Edition, just before Noon Edition, and at 5.45 during All Things Considered. They're also archived on our website, WFIU.org. We're talking today with Derek Ritchie and Jennifer Summer Ritchie, who are leading the uh, Bloomington Fading Project, uh, some 3,000 strong in terms of volunteer uh, uh, helpers with uh, taking pictures, uh, collecting old photos, sharing memories of how Bloomington has changed over the last several decades. It started as a, a hobby and a Facebook page and has now become a book, Bloomington Then and Now. How do you think the heart of Bloomington has been redefined over the last 70 years? Which areas are are gentrified and higher traffic? Which have kind of fallen into disrepair? Uh, What do you think has happened to the shape of Bloomington? Well, in many ways, I mean, people can... And, and gentrification is is an often the term that's used. But if you were to walk down Walnut Street, or excuse me, Washington Street, for instance, fifty years ago, most of those old houses would be would look like they are in a state of disrepair. And the same thing would go uh, if you walk down College. So I think kind of the the biggest change, even if you watch Breaking Away, which was you know filmed in the 70s, mm-hmm. and you look in the background and you stop watching the people on the screen and you look in the background and you look at what Bloomington looked like back then, um, it, it was pretty rough. Mm-hmm. Um, I'm really glad you brought that up because I was going to suggest that yeah. people who want to do kind of an interim shot, that's a, that's a great way to do it is just watch Breaking Away. Yeah. And there's, a, there, you know, the city did an inventory of all its buildings in 1975, and we were were lucky enough to get to go through much of that inventory. And I can tell you, um, a lot of those buildings were in uh, pretty rough shape. And of course, some of the styles that they used, um, you know, those little tiny wooden panels that they'd panel the top of buildings, it was just very, not very pleasant to the eye. Um, so I'd say, you know, especially if we're talking about the last 40 years or 50 years in Bloomington, that would be the biggest changes. We've saved those buildings, and there are organizations out there like BRI, Bloomington Restorations Incorporated, and, and CFC Cook, who have uh, not only saved the buildings but made them useful again. Mm-hmm. 
We have a couple of callers on the line waiting to share their memories and ask some questions. Patricia, are you there? Yes. What would you like to add? Well, we came here in 1957 and were put into houses owned by the university on North Faculty. It was a little old house with no doors between the bedrooms and a beautiful yard, and it's now under a big dormitory. Oh, <laughs> oh my gosh. And my children loved it because there were fruit bushes there. We could pick the fruit bushes and take them to the farmer's market and sell them. Oh, there was a farmer's market back in 1957. Yeah, and we used to take the fruit down. It was a very small one, and we picked the raspberries and carried them down there. And just a few people gathered down near the uh, oh, downtown area somewhere uh, on the sidewalk in front of the was now the museum. That's great. And, and so that, that, that's my major thing I wanted to say. What do you think is most different about Bloomington now versus 55 years ago? Size. Mm-hmm. It, it, uh, it, was, it was nice. Uh, when, when we came there, the only major grocery store was an A&P on North College, which is now a big red liquor. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. And, and uh, I mean, I, we, we moved into Park Ridge later, and, mm-hmm. and that was completely new mm-hmm. at that time. And there, and there was no East Park Ridge, so it's, it's grown tremendously. And I'm not sure I like it as well, as big as it is, but I'm, I'm old now. So. <laughs> well, thank you so much for calling and sharing your memories with us today, Patricia. That's okay. Thank you. You know, it's actually funny. She brought up uh, the Big Red Liquors, where, where it sits today. Mm-hmm. And um, one of the photos in the book is of a, a large, very large house on page 46. It's, it was on 418 North College Avenue, and uh, Susie Baldwin-Taylor um, gave us this photo, and it was her grandparents' um, old house. And they actually sold that house to A&P so they could uh, expand their parking lot um, when oh. they built the store. Um, and uh, just to, you know how, how everything seems to sometimes, sometimes be serendipitous, she brought that up, and that's the first thing that came to my mind. Oh, that's, that's something that's in the book. We have someone else waiting to uh, share some memories of Bloomington. Trevor, are you there? Trevor? I think think we've lost Trevor. Trevor, call back if you can. We're talking with uh, Derek Ritchie and Jennifer Summer Ritchie, uh, who are leading the Bloomington Fading Project. Uh, You can share your memories of how Bloomington has changed and ask them uh, about their own experiences at 812-855-0811. Or 877-285-WFIU or join us in live chat at WFIU.org slash Noon Edition. Steve, are you there? Yes, hello. Hi. Hi, this is Steve Olin, actually. How are you all? Oh, hi, Steve. Great. How are you? Great. Hi, Steve. I'm really interested in the show. Derek and Jennifer, you're doing doing God's work. Thank you. Thank you. You're doing it. Uh, I wanted to say something about uh, the size of Bloomington. Everybody's been talking about how that's the the big change that they've noticed over the years. But I think it'll be surprising for people to know that there's never been a decade in the history of Bloomington where the city hasn't grown. Um, there were maybe 600 students at IU in 1900. It, uh, IU went through two or three major growth spurts where the population doubled or tripled. Um, just after 1945, IU went from 5,000 students in uh, 1945 to 14,000 students in 1960 to 30,000 students in 1970. But uh, Bloomington has always grown, even before it had a water supply, even before it had the really reliable water supply of Lake Monroe. So, I mean, it's something that I think surprises people when they find it out. But um, to to think that it's just growing now, uh, that's never been been just a recent phenomenon. Um, That's a great point. So, but anyway, um, I, I just wanted to throw in that I remember the Ferris Market, which only closed down a few years ago. Mm-hmm. And I used to have an account there, and uh, I'm glad that, uh, I mean, that's another building, actually, that uh, CFC, I believe, uh, has, has rehabilitated. And uh, I, I just wanted to say thanks for the show, and thanks for the book, and thanks for the, uh, the, uh, the Facebook page. So, uh, Thank you, Steve. 
appreciate yeah. it. You, you know, know Steve, while you're on the phone, I want to sure. say something else. I want to uh, give a little shout out to uh, Charlotte Zitlow. She uh, has been so instrumental in uh, historic preservation in our community. And uh, something you probably know about, Steve, and may want to comment on was the um, spot zoning that was going on in the 1960s that Charlotte and others like her uh, helped put an end to. Uh, and just to explain what that is, in case you're not familiar, it was. Uh, um, if you go through some of our core neighborhoods, there are, uh, you know, regular houses that you would expect to find in those neighborhoods. And then you'll see kind of strangely out of nowhere, a, a fairly good sized apartment building. And, uh, those were instances of, of spot zoning where the city council would uh, grant, um, some might argue, a friend uh, the right to uh, build a large apartment building in, in what was uh, just a small residential neighborhood. Do you, do you have anything you want to say about that, Steve? Yeah, I mean, we've had three zoning ordinances um, over the past 40 years or so. The most recent one was 2006, and before that was 1995. The first one was 1973. Uh, that was the uh, the first one that I recall, um, and that was uh, the term that Charlotte was serving on the city council. Um, uh, that was when the um, you know the all the major changes that we're used to today began happening. So yeah, Charlotte's been uh, an instrumental part of uh, trying to sort of reverse the uh, trends like spot zoning for as long as she's been active in Bloomington. Uh, but just having a, I mean, we, I think that's, uh, was much of the impetus behind the, the original 1973 zoning to prevent, uh, spot zonings like that. And it didn't totally stop them. Um, but it, uh, it did, uh, you know, bring them under better control. Steve, thanks very much for your insights and your You're memories. Welcome. My pleasure. Thanks for the show. Thanks we, for coming, Steve. Thanks. We have a couple of uh, callers waiting, and if you'd like to join the conversation, you can do so by phone at 812-855-0811 or 877-285-WFIU. That's 9348. Or join us in chat at WFIU.org slash Noon Edition. Susan, thanks for waiting. Are you there? What memories uh, would you like to share or questions would you like to ask of our guests? Well, I'd like to thank them for the book, and uh, I think it was the notice of the show today that made me uh, take a look at what was on Facebook. I was uh, pleased, I think, that uh, the picture of the Hoagie Carmichael house was got me very excited this morning because if it's the one I think it is, which is at the corner of Washington and First Street, is that correct? I'm not sure that one's in the in the book, but it was on the website. Oh, okay. It, it very well could be on the website because there are hundreds of photos there for sure. Well, what got me so excited was that was the house where I spent the first three years of my life. Uh, my parents <laughs> bought it in the fifties, <laughs> and I'm not sure that they knew that it was owned by Hoga Car- Carmichael. Mm. So that was kind of fun to see that. Was that um, the first you'd heard of that? I mean, that was the first time you'd heard that Hoagie Carmichael probably lived in that house also? Absolutely. That, oh, how exciting. Now, oddly enough, my parents are buried three steps away from Hoagie Carmichael and Rose mm. Hill. So I thought that was somewhat ironic. <laughs> wow. But my memories uh, focus on the old, What something that's changed in Bloomington has been media. Uh, because when I was growing up, of course, Sarkis Tarzian was the the primary focus behind behind the radio and television. And my father was director of news and public affairs for WTTS and WDTC. Mm. And I grew up at the station, which was where the Arby's is now. So um, that and the whole uh, the community that built up around WTTS and WGTC, which was the God-forbidden FM back then. Everyone listened to AM. Right. Um, right. So every night, you know, my dad would do the news and uh, uh, had special programs and folks like Jenny Fiscus, who lived right there next to the station, who did Over the Backyard Fence, and Bill Franzman, and, of course, uh, Bruce Baker, who did all the high school sports uh, programs. That was a huge part of Bloomington back in in the 60s and Mm. 70s. Susan, thanks very much for your memories. Thank you. Trevor, you're on the line? Yes, I am. Glad you're back, Trevor. Okay, thank you. I have a quick uh, comment. 
Can you hear me? We sure. can, yes. Okay. Um, I'm a recent Indiana, Indiana, uh, recent Bloomington resident, and I think, in a way, I love historical preservation and the respect for history, but I think, in a way, we are a hostage to history in this town with the most bizarre street naming system I've ever come across <laughs> in any town. <laughs> How one street can change its name five times in the course of three miles is still a puzzle to me. And as a four-year resident, I'm still discovering that one street is actually the same street once I cross the city. And I'm thinking, <laughs> with the constant changing population of the students, they have to be very bright kids to find, out, find their way around this city. I wonder if you have a comment on that. <laughs> it's, it's an insider practical joke, Trevor. What can yeah. we say? <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> no, it's true. I think everybody is laughing only because we know that what you're saying is, is so very true. And we've all shared that experience. I would hate to be a delivery man who was new to Bloomington. That would be quite a challenge. Yeah. Well, you know, actually, the, it's funny you brought up the, how the, the roads were named. Many of the roads, of course, were named after... Uh, sort of Bloomington pioneers who kind of founded the town. Um, so you'll see those names all over. But actually, um, one family that was a Bloomington pioneer but didn't get a road name were the Lappertos. Hmm. And um, their house stood on the top of uh, 11th uh, in college, where there's the apartment complex now. And actually, they owned all the land from there all the way to 17th Street. And uh, where today we have the park there near 17th Street with the, the, the pond that used to be a, a creek called Labertu um, Springs. And uh, they're just one of those uh, founding families that, for whatever reason, fell through the cracks that hmm. we learned about as we were doing our research. Yeah, such odd uh, street names in some cases. Yeah. I myself, since I got to town two years ago, have wondered about Clariz Boulevard, C-L-A-R-I-Z-Z. If anybody can add insight to that, that would be welcome. We'd like to hear from uh, the caller uh, Sandy. Sandy, you're on Noon Edition. Are you Hello. there? Hello. Go right ahead. Oh, well, I wanted to comment on how the um, campus has changed. Um, I know the caller, Pat. I also was living on North Faculty Street and knew the, uh, knew the family well and uh, went to school with their kids. Um, we also moved to Park Ridge, which was actually uh, on... on um, Heritage Road was the first uh, road out there in all of Park Ridge and Park Ridge East, and mm-hmm. so we were only like the, the third house in all of that. Did you feel so like you were out in the country? Yeah, we thought we were out in the country. It was all <laughs> fields, and actually there are sinkholes up in East Park Ridge, which I don't mm. know if anybody really knows about, but <laughs> mm. um, they were all filled in. Um, I wanted to comment on how the campus has changed. Um, my father was in the geology department, which used to be in Owen Hall, which um, and I went to school at the university school, which is in the old education building, and um, we had a school field trip to just walk, and I got to be the line leader walking over to Owen Hall Geology Department. And now, when we see the new Geology Department, it's uh, it's just huge, and so many other uh, buildings have been built over the years on campus, um, all of the different educational buildings are just much larger than they were way back then uh, in the 50s and early 60s. Um, And it's really interesting to see that. Um, I also was interested in having you say people watch the uh, Breaking Away movie. Of course, uh, all of us townies were (laughs) part of that and in some of the large crowd scenes. Um, the area where the bike race was, of course, used to be the old football stadium, mm-hmm. which is now the Arboretum. Mm-hmm. And I remember watching outdoor IU Opera there um, mm. also mm. one year when the, after the IU Opera House had burned and before the new university school um, was built. And they built a new um, stage there in the theater and drama department. Uh, our stage was built wonderful specifications so that the IU Opera could be there before the new Mac building was completed. Um, It's just really interesting to see all of the large buildings. And also, Bloomington has grown up. When I was um, young, we didn't used to have any buildings that were taller than the Graham Plaza Hotel. And then the Tulip Tree House was made, and that was the tallest building 
Um, so seeing some of the new dorms being built brought a new dimension to mm. Bloomington mm-hmm, mm-hmm. upwards. <laughs> yeah. Oh. Sandy, thank you very much for sharing your memories of Bloomington. Okay. Before, before we go in, we have a couple of callers waiting, but um, I think there are a lot of people now who are very interested in seeing this book. Mm-hmm. Where Where is this book available? You can get it at um, com. That's the publisher. Uh, and you can also downtown. It's Howard's Bookstore is carrying it as well. And, uh, well, hopefully they still have some left. But if they don't, we'll, we'll, we'll deliver them some, some more. And you're mm-hmm. holding a series of signings as well? We do have another one coming up at um, uh, Michael's Uptown Cafe, uh, one of my favorite spots in town. And that will be uh, next Thursday, December 6th. And that time for Five, that? 5.30 to 8. Yeah. Okay. The book is called Bloomington Then and Now. Our guests are Derek Ritchie and Jennifer Summer Ritchie. We have a couple of people waiting to talk to them and share their memories of Bloomington. Philip, you're on Noon Edition. Good afternoon. Good afternoon. This is Philip. Go right ahead. Uh, I can uh, have recollections going back 80 years in Bloomington. I was born in the city and uh, uh, graduated from college, went back and uh, did graduate work there. And uh, we lived in houses on the far west side, on the south side, and uh, my parents uh, bought a home on South Grant Street, and uh, it was a, a great place to to grow up. Uh, the biggest change that I have noticed is uh, the political complexion of this uh, city. Uh, when I was a boy carrying papers for uh, others, uh, the uh, World was the uh, Democrat paper, and the uh, Daily Telephone was the Republican paper. And uh, we had a few guys that uh, delivered papers for the world because there was very small uh, uh, number of uh, subscribers. Uh, I remember uh, one of my first jobs was at uh, Williams Jewelry on the east side of the square, and another uh, job that I had downtown was at uh, uh, Can Clothing on the south side of the square. And I went through uh, Elm Heights School uh, and Bloomington High School, uh, junior high and high school. Uh, it was before there was any south or north. Mm-hmm. And... Uh, I had friends that went to the university school, and uh, it it was just a great place to live. Philip, thank you very, very much for sharing your memories. You're welcome. And Derek and Jennifer, I'm assuming you're getting a lot of these kinds of stories at your signings and people coming up to you and, and, uh, and just kind of letting it spill, mm-hmm. all these personal recollections of Bloomington. It's the heart of the project. I mean, really, the the memories that have been shared and... And the connection that we've made with people and their experience. I mean, without that type of support and hearing those stories, it wouldn't be what it is. Mm-hmm. Yeah. We've had uh, Perry waiting on the line for some time. Thanks for joining us on Noon Edition, Perry. Uh, Terry. Oh, it's Terry. Yes. Yeah, sorry about that. Thanks for calling. What yeah, would you like to add? Yeah, I have a, a cu- actually uh, a couple of questions more than anything. Um, on Walnut Street, um, beside um, the Bluebird uh, Cafe... Mm-hmm. Uh, wasn't there an old uh, movie theater there? There sure was. And uh, what was the name of that? The Princess Theater? No, oh, actually, that was the... Uh, um, now I can't remember it either. <laughs> it's, and it's in the book, I think. It is yeah. in the it book. Is in the book. Okay. It is in the book several times, actually. But uh, every once in a while, my memory will fail me. Harris Grant? The Harris Harris Grant. Thank you. The guy who's been here two years. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah, it's the Harris Grant. And the new building they built there, actually, uh, they tried to make as look as much like the Harris Grant as possible. Ah. Because I do remember when they were closing the theater, they had, like, movie marathons. And it was really the first time I really got to see, like, the Marx Brothers and King Kong, 1933 King Kong on big screen and all that stuff. It was just fabulous. Great memory. Yeah. Yeah, it was fabulous. It was great. The other question I have pertains to Walnut as well. Wasn't the old Sarkis Tarzian building on South Walnut? 
It was actually, I believe, along college. Um, and if you're going south, it would have been on your right side. Yeah. Yeah. Um, now, did the Sammy Terry uh, Nightmare Theater, was that broadcast from there? You know, that's a good question. I'm not an expert on the Sarks Tarzian um, history, but uh, um, certainly there are people in town who, who would probably remember that. Now, is that the kind of question that he could put on your Facebook page and probably oh, yeah. have an opportunity to get answered? How would he go about doing that? You know what? That's, the, that's a great point. I mean, we, we're not experts on all the details, so a lot of times we'll post a question up there about a building or a certain building, and other people will do the same thing. Um, and the answers will flood in because there are so many people out there who've lived in this town, uh, like an earlier gentleman, for 80 years and mm -hmm. have the answer. Yeah, because I remember when I was a... You know, a child, you know, my, uh, my, I've come with my father, <clears throat> excuse me, I've come with my father to Bloomington, and uh, he'd point out, well, that, you know, there's the Sarkis Tarzian Studios, that's where Sammy Terry, and that's where, you know, uh, Dick the Bruiser and Wilbur Snyder, that's where the wrestling is broadcast from and all that stuff. So mm. I was wondering, you know. How oh, yeah, you're talking about the studios. That's a whole... I was thinking of, of a different building altogether. But, yeah, you may be right. That was, I think, uh, on South Walnut. I think it was. Yes, you're right. Terry. I think it was a two-tier uh, elongated building, if I remember correctly. Yeah, and there's a photo of it, actually. Probably uh, seven or eight. <laughs> there's a photo of it, actually, still around. Uh, I have seen it, and it's at uh, the radio station uh, downtown. Ah, okay. Yeah, they, they still have an old photo of that. Terry, thank you very much for calling in with your memories. I can't wait to read the book. Thanks so much. The book, if I can just jump in with a real quick question before we wrap up here. This is your first time putting a book together for the two of you. What throughout this process has surprised you the most? Um, you know what? One of the most surprising things that uh, – and, you know, we've already talked about all the, all the great – support and people, but probably one of the more surprising things is some of the buildings that there are no photos of, and they are of some of the most prominent families you can, you can possibly, especially if we're talking about John Waldron yeah. Sr. We need mm -hmm. to put that out there just because it was, um, what was that, 321 West 321 Kirkwood? 321 West Kirkwood. Um, it was Sr., mm -hmm. and there is no known picture of the house. Now, you can kind of see it um, on the stairs of the Batman Garrett house. Um, that there's a picture in the book on page 74 you where you see, it, can in see the it in the background. Yeah. But, you know, even the Waldron doesn't have a picture, so it's definitely one of those mysteries. And They called us looking for a photo. Yeah. <laughs> we we said we were about to call you yeah. to find out if you had a photo yeah. of John Waldron's mansion. And, of course, the Kirkwood, the apartment complex, stands there today. Uh, mm -hmm. And, actually, that whole little strip of West Kirkwood is, was full of all these light houses like the Batman House, mm -hmm. just beautiful, old, original Victorian houses. Unfortunately, we don't have a, a photo yeah, of was, John Waldron's yeah, house. Yeah, it was raised in 1951, so it was there for quite a while. 54, so, actually. 54? Yeah, okay. yeah. Um, so I know it's probably in somebody's Somebody's got it in their collection. Yeah. Well, once again, we have to wrap up, yeah. but tell us uh, how to get to your Facebook page mm -hmm. and how to get the book. Um, our Facebook page is just Bloomington Fading, so if you go there, you can find it. Uh, and the book, uh, you can get it on online and, and uh, use your uh, use PayPal, I guess, mm -hmm. um, at penandpublish.com. And, uh, and you, or you can just go to Howard's uh, Bookstore or come to one of our book signings so we can meet you. Derek Ritchie and Jennifer Summer Ritchie, thank you very much for coming by today. Thank you for having us. John, great job. You're invited back. Thank you very much, Mary Catherine. <laughs> thank you to Mary Catherine Carmichael. And pinch hitting today for Bob Salzberg, I'm John Bailey. Thanks very much for joining us for Noon Edition on WFIU. Noon Edition is a production of WFIU and the Herald Times. A podcast of this and other WFIU programs is available at WFIU.org. Production support comes from Smithville, a locally owned business serving central and southern Indiana since 1922 with residential and business internet, voice, and security services. Smithville, local pride, global technology. Information at smithville.net.